0: new york is getting muddy out and there's l.a but it's always kind of sunny out and i don't wanna
1: hurry. welcome to the lone star collective this is episode seven i'm your host jesse williams it's the official podcast of the texas cannabis collective i'm here with our co-host austin zamhariri how you doing austin
0: hey yo doing great man how are you
1: i'm doing pretty good today been a been a busy week. I've been getting furniture. I went through like some buy share trade groups and I'm getting furniture for a relative who's moving into the area soon. They, they pretty much came back from Germany with the clothes on their back and then a couple of suitcases. I said, Well, I'll help you out when you move when you get here to Texas. So I've just been a busy bee getting furniture and, and clothing and whatnot.
0: Yeah, nice. Um, same over here, but that's really, you know. As a near 40-year-old adult, it's I always find myself staying busy, whether I have something planned or not. Um, you know, a couple things I wanted to plug real quick uh, that we've been working on behind the scenes is a big veteran event, Mixer, uh, that is in Arlington at Texas Live. And it is, you know, this really came to us back in June of this year, July, I'm sorry a couple of months ago, and our buddy Robert Head, you're you're familiar with. Yes. With Bob, um, they, you know, reached out to me, and, um, you know, we started working with uh, a team of Army and Air Force veterans who were looking to put together an event in North Texas because the Army-Air Force game is on Saturday, November 6th, and they're going to have a big reunion of West Point grads and Air Force Academy um, graduates converging, and they wanted to talk about cannabis. And so this all came together. It's been uh, it's been taken care of from a financial standpoint by Weed Maps, and I think everybody is very familiar with Weed Maps, and um, is. Uh, gonna help with Americans for Safe Access and Texans for Safe Access, who is the uh, 501c3 uh, beneficiary of, you know, any of the funds that are raised. And it's, it's really all about uh, patients, veterans, and there's more to come on that as we go along. But I want to throw that out there. And uh, so yeah, we're all staying busy.
1: Yes, we're definitely staying busy. Um, speaking of what well, we were supposed to have Clay Blankenship for Sweet Sensing as we wait for him to arrive. It reminds me that we were talking before we started the show about edibles and the whole Halloween candy thing. And we had posted up an article nobody is giving your children edibles and their Halloween candy. I want to hear your take on that. Give everybody your take, Austin. Uh,
0: I've got children who are now almost graduated high school and I've got young children now who are in prime trick-or-treat age and so I've never personally never seen a problem like this at all I've not heard of a problem like this actually culminating Uh, if somebody can find me a police report where this has indeed actually happened I'll probably at least read the police report but I, in my experience, I've not ever heard any, anything like this actually happening where people are giving out, you know, marijuana edibles or treats or gummies or anything like that to kids for Halloween. These, these things cost money.
1: You uh, a lot of money.
0: Yeah. nobody's just handing these things out like their kid. Candy. Candy's two bucks, right? I'll give away two bucks. I'm not giving away 200 bucks, um, you know, and that's just from you know we're we're not even talking about the ethical side of this or the moral moral side of this. It's just purely from a economic cost standpoint, it it's not it's just not viable. And uh, then you throw in morality, and it just it's just not happening. It's an unfounded scare.
1: Yeah, I've never I've never heard of a police report where some parent got home was. Re- Going through their kids' candy, and they're like, "Well, that seems off." And then when they looked at it closely, it was it was marijuana edibles. It's it's always been something of the cops raided some guy's car, or they raided his house, and they found nerds rope, or they found some other like Butterfinger knock knockoff, right. and they went, "Well, you see, this looks very much like the kids' candy, so it must be the kids. The kids will be getting this in their hands because the Halloween trick or treaters will." The house ha- the houses are handed out to them, you know, just to give it to them because it all looks the same to us. Yeah, and and not just that, but
0: it seems like as, the, as soon as Halloween season gets here, right around early October, there's some article from some you know obscure small Texas town or from where some you know Bible Belt town in the Midwest that is talking about marijuana lace candies getting in your kids trick-or-treat bag and so i mean i'm just gonna let everybody know if you're gonna go out trick or letting your kids trick-or-treat whatever they come back with you should already be inspecting that stuff anyways um if you're just letting your kid go out trick-or-treating getting candy and coming home and it's whatever like that's another conversation that we have to have about adult supervision and responsibility when it comes to, you know, be something social like Halloween.
1: I was always taught as a kid that, you know, that when you went out and you got candy, that if it didn't come in a wrapper, like a sealed wrapper, don't take it. And it was kind of odd because you always had the family that had like the popcorn balls and you're like, Oh, I want a popcorn ball really bad, but I'm not taking that. Cause that's not in a sealed wrapper and it was always even it was always even something else cuz as a kid you're like i know i've done something that's angered these people um i don't want them giving me stuff and they're going to get revenge <laughs> yeah it's just i just feel like
0: this whole situation uh is kind of unfounded it's a scare tactic has long been used as one and um it's, it, it, for me it's almost like You know, you might as well claim that they're giving out little mini bottles of alcohol, you know, little shot bottles. Yeah, exactly. It's like that's just not happening Um, again. Please, if there is a police report out there somewhere um, where this has happened and it's been documented and, you know, there is valid, tangible evidence of this being a thing. I'll give it a little, I might give it like 2% credence, but like as is right now, it's just, it's like a urban legend almost.
1: (laughs) Uh, I say even, even if you found one, even if you had one report with one family that reported this, how many kids are going out trick or treating like millions, millions. It, this doesn't even. This doesn't even like begin to scrape the surface of becoming a real problem. Again, yeah, I just think it's
0: unfounded. Nobody's nobody's just openly giving out their drugs. I'm sorry. Like we can trust. It seems it's just it's like we can trust people with pharmaceutical, you know, stuff. We can trust people with alcohol. But when it comes to cannabis, it just seems that. They want to to really attack it. And don't get me wrong. I understand the packaging aspect. I do understand uh, marketing products uh, and how that can almost um, how that can be deemed as targeting children with certain products that are marketed in the way they're marketed. Uh, but that's just um, that's not what this is. You know, this isn't companies trying to get your kids marijuana via Halloween. You're really saying that consumers are being nefarious. Um, And I think that there are a lot of worse scenarios from a nefarious standpoint outside of cannabis that you should be concerned about Halloween, like child abduction.
1: Oh, definitely. (laughs) You feel me? Yeah. I I have an eight-year-old kid, and it's like I'm not letting him just walk around on his own because it's like, hey, even though we're in a decent neighborhood – Anybody can just snatch you up quickly. It's it's not hard, and most people no. be like, oh yeah. And you, you could be in a crowd of people, and people just look and go, oh, not my kid, not my problem. It's like, yeah, I'd, I'd be more worried about somebody or even some other parent or kid just going off the chain and and going hog wild on some kid. That's its own thing. Yeah, I just think that uh,
0: it's it's been a
1: scare tactic and it's something that, that has
0: been happening. Not, I wouldn't say happening in Texas as far as media coverage, but um, certainly those, you know, me, you know, we, we do a lot of media work. So we're kind of deep in the uh, internet sphere of, of information. And so we always come across uh, different, tidbits from across the state and this is usually one of those right around October that you can expect.
1: So yeah, if you have a police report you know of we're on Facebook Texas Texas TX Can Collective, you can always message that to us and let us know about that. Tell us tell us the police report about the the family that apparently was handing out marijuana edibles. Ooh, spooky stuff
0: <laughs> Right. No, listen I'm not saying it's not out there. I'm not saying and I'm not saying I wouldn't believe it if you know, the evidence was brought to me. I'm just I'm so highly skeptical. It's uh, it's pretty ridiculous.
1: So um, what else did we have go on today? You had posted a Forbes article up. Speak to that. Yeah,
0: yeah it's pretty um, ominous at, at, at best. And I would say damn right scary. Uh, in worst case scenario, it talks about how the Feds are going to come after D8, and not and really, if you dig into the article, they're talking about much more than just D8. They're talking about anything that's not state regulated D9, like they're going to come after it. And if it's completely unregulated, like the Feds are going to take control of this. And um, you know, I'm really just paraphrasing. I would I would definitely go read that Forbes article if you are invested in uh cannabinoids because this this may have some kind of impact on the cbd cbg markets and things of that nature so uh yeah that's kind of scary what do you think jesse
1: it's we talked about it beforehand and it's it's a result of what happens when you have something that shouldn't be a a black market item being a black market item like yeah delta eight would have eventually have arrived on the scene as something in a concentrated form, but nowhere near as quickly as we have. We had just had a a properly regulated marijuana program on the books and people could get the marijuana they needed for what they need it for. And this is just everybody going, Oh, well, I can't get it that way. Let me find a legal way to do this. And it results in Delta eight and it worries me on the side that there are ways of doing this and doing it in a way where there are not health concerns for it, but there are just so many people out there that are like, Oh yeah, fine. Here's my distillate. And unless you pay close attention, you won't realize that it's in MCT oil, which you should not be smoking that. I I, hope, I hope you know that. No,
0: of course. Well, in really I would, Um, I would challenge people to independently test some of these products and you will be shocked at what you find. Uh, Jesse, one thing I would really love to do is just randomly go and buy D eight products and then to go take them to one of our friends at new blooms or Waymakers or wherever and be like, Hey, just test these products and give us the results. Tell us what's actually in them. And then we can come back and be like, yo.
1: (laughs) Oh, and and, and there's ways of, I've, I've really been deeply thinking about this to how do we do this to where we don't have bias involved. Because you hear so many people go, I've at least I've heard a lot of people in the industry go, well, I don't think that lab does this. And I don't think that lab does that. And it's kind of a lot of he said, she said. And I think an easy way of going about it would be, like you said, you you'll buy random products off the shelf. And you just put it in a numbered box. And you note the number to the product yourself, but you hand this numbered product off to a lab. So they don't know the brand. They don't know what store it came from. And you let them right. test it and bring you back a result. And then you match the results up from that number to what you have logged. Right.
0: Oh, uh, Another problem that I'm hearing about, I don't know how founded it is, but I have now started – to hear about bogus QR codes and bogus lab results that are pretty clearly fudged. And um, so not only are you like getting shady product, you're getting shady lab results mixed in with it. And people, you know, people kind of, you know, scan the QR code and see lab results. They don't know what they're looking at
1: oh, well, the, the, the funny thing is, is somebody else pointed this out to me and I had I'd already seen it and didn't know how to describe it. But basically, there are people who are going and getting one legitimate lab result and then all of their products, their, their QR codes point back to this one lab result. Absolutely. And, it, and, and, and they say, well, that's what the lab is for that product. And it's like, no, no, no. That's the lab for the concentrate you used. You now need to go get a lab of the brownie you put it in. You now need to go get a lab of the gummy you've inserted that, that concentrate into. You now need to get a lab of the flour that you may have sprayed this onto or dipped it in. And that's not what's happening. They're like, well, all of this goes back to this one lab. And it's like, well, you changed your product when you put it on this new product and people are circumventing with that.
0: Yeah. There's just, it's unfortunate because there are so many like good people in this space uh, that I trust and that both of us trust uh, that are verified and who are doing everything absolutely right. But there is just so many bad, bad, bad characters who literally don't care about patients. They don't care about anything other than bottom line dollar. And words, I was going to use
1: bottom line dollar.
0: I mean, it, and that's for so many, uh, different brands that, um, and you know, they, they preach, they're all about the patient and they're all about, you know, they, they've got these standards and, um, But, you know, really, when it comes down to it, there are just so many brands that uh, will do anything to make the sale and could care less about the product and what's in it. And it's just that's that's the issue that i think we have here is that it's so unregulated it's wild wild west Uh, and it shouldn't be when you know usually what what is on the package should be what's in
1: the product exactly we're gonna go for a quick sponsor break this is lone star collective episode seven i'm your host jesse williams with co-host austin zamariri we'll be right back after these messages Blue dream blue bonnet is a proud sponsor of texas cannabis collective blue dream blue bonnet carries cannabis art gifts accessories and more for you and your friends whether it be a pair of cannabis themed leggings or a rolling tray blue dream carries a variety of products visit bluedreambb.com to see their inventory and check back regularly as new items are updated you can also find them online with facebook and instagram under the handle at blue dream blue bonnet you can visit them online again at bluedreambb.com You know it would be cool if your business was mentioned on a podcast several times an episode. Well, you could have a slot right here on the Lone Star Collective just like the one I'm doing right now. Show your community that your business supports changes to social welfare regarding cannabis in Texas. Inform our audience that you are a supporter of independent journalism and the activism work we put in while informing them about your business. Let your customers know where you are located and what you offer the community. For more information on getting your business mentioned on Lone Star Collective, visit texascannaco.com. That's txcanaco.com And click the contact tab. Welcome back to the Lone Star Collective podcast,
0: distributed on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Facebook, and much more, to give Texans information regarding policy, industry, and culture. Here is this week's host, Jesse Williams and Austin Zamhariri. like cigarettes I want a girl with the right allocations who is fast and thorough and sharp as a tack she's playing with her jewelry she's putting up her hair she's touring the facility and picking up slack I want a
1: girl welcome back to the Lone Star Collective podcast episode seven I'm your host Jesse Williams joined by Austin Zam Zamhariri how are you doing this evening Austin
0: Oh, man, blessed. It's a beautiful day. The weather's <laughs> finally cooling off, it feels like. Uh, I mean, I say that I'm in North Texas, so if you're in North Texas, you definitely feel kind of the weather turning more into fall. So, um, you know, we had a harvest moon last night, I think. Is that what it was? Harvest moon?
1: Perhaps. Um, I didn't, I haven't even, not going to lie, I've been paying attention to the moon cycles. I just know that tomorrow is the first official day of fall. Yes. And we had like the hottest day of the summer yesterday.
0: Oh, wow. Is this in Austin Metro?
1: Yeah. I I listen to Sun Radio now because just Americana station. And the guy this yesterday was like, yeah, we're going to have triple digit weather today. And it's the second to last day of summer. And it, was, and it turned out, it was like, well, it turns out it's possibly going to be the hottest day of our summer. I was like, my Lord, this is horrible.
0: Yeah, yesterday wasn't so bad, um, I mean, at least up here. Uh, it's just, you know, those of us who've lived in Texas our whole lives, you know that summer in Texas, you can never really tell when it's over because we've gotten hot weather in November. So um, it's not uncommon to have like an 80-degree December, you know, Christmas.
1: <laughs> your, your Halloween, you're like, oh, man, the good thing I've got this big like – thick costume to keep me warm and then the next day it's like if I wore this big thick costume I would sweat to death. You're right. You would dehydrate completely and be nothing. (laughs) So you just shrivel up like a raisin and people are like what's wrong with you? Are you okay?
0: Yeah, I live in central Texas. This hot ass weather. Cold ass weather just like day after day is something different.
1: So we're hearing hearing different questions now about our teacup program. I know there's been things I keep seeing about people asking like, when, when will regular PTSD be added? And it's like, we have added that (laughs) it's not just veterans. Um, people asking how to get in touch with doctors. What questions have you seen Austin? That seem like it was like, we kind of thought we touched base and people knew.
0: Um, I think, Really, it's all about the 1% THC. That's the number one thing I'm seeing is like, oh, it's 1% THC. It can't help me. And it's like, well, hold on. Um, let's under. It's 1% by final product volume, correct? So if you have a gummy and um, in- it weighs 1 gram, then that one gram gummy can have up to if you take the one percent rule, then you can have that one gram gummy can have ten milligrams of THC. Am I correct? Correct. Right. So I think that you're seeing a lot of people who uh, just see one percent and automatically balk and laugh, and are just like, "I oh, whatever." I'm not, I want nothing to do with this. And that's the most general misconception that I'm seeing. There's actually, uh, it's a lot more scientific than that. Uh, There's the, you got to kind of weigh in the math based on how the law has been written. And because of that, you're now starting to see dosing that is very similar to the standard dose that you see in other states.
1: Yeah, I would say it's, what you typically even see in an edible, like I'd say the candy bars you'd see in an state with even just recreational, like a Hershey's bar, the, the little mockery Hershey bar, I guess, is a great example. Each one of those squares is a 10 milligram square. And that is just considered the typical dosage for a bar or just a single edible, a single serving. And it's just strange. That it's like the, the 1% makes it that here, And people balk at it because I guess they're used to seeing tinctures where it's like what, 2,000 milligrams in a 30 milliliter bottle.
0: Right, yeah, you you kind of see. Uh, uh, it's it's hard to say because there, it, each state is a little bit different. There are some like industry standards that kind of transcend the variables in each state. But yeah, you the the one thing that I've always seen is uh, you know when I've been in Colorado, California, Oregon, Massachusetts. Um, the one thing that I'm consistently seeing is the 10 milligram, like 10 milligram is become kind of the standard dose.
1: I would say the other thing I've heard that's a big concern for our state is the amount it costs to get a license. Cause it's like what over $400,000 to apply for the license. Like what? 480,000.
0: Um, not just that you, I think you have to prove that you have a certain amount of, of liquid that you are just ready to have on hold. I think that you have to prove that you can sustain uh, a two year loss if need be. Uh, and then on top of that, the license itself is, is astronomical. Um,
1: I think you have to have like a million dollars in liquid assets and yes. show a business plan. As you said, where it's like, can you survive two years of just making nothing back being in the red the whole time? The license mm-hmm. is like 480 something thousand dollars initially and then 300 something thousand every year.
0: Yeah. <laughs> This, it's just like it pains me to even talk about it. It's so ludicrous. Like what we are seeing, these regulations that we have, it's. It's so laughable compared to every other any other state that has medical marijuana. Any other state, I would put Texas up against and say this is the most ludicrous, outrageous, and just over-regulated, overburdened uh, legislation for any kind of medical marijuana program. And it's so laughable because. So those of us who live in North Texas and go to Windstar a lot, right? So let's just write up 35, you go to Windstar, the minute you get into Oklahoma, there's like 20 dispensaries. You got billboard after billboard saying medical marijuana here, here, here. And you, you know, you, you see what it takes in Oklahoma or New Mexico or Arkansas to get, uh, a license. I, I'm going to put an asterisk next to Arkansas because it is actually a little more tedious than it is in Oklahoma or New Mexico. But man, in o- Oklahoma, man, you know, the, the regs that they put in place in 2018 created the fastest growing medical marijuana market in the entire country.
1: Um You literally enter the state and you hear like the Willy Wonka theme from the '70s, like "Come with me and you'll be in a world of pure imagination." Listen, dude, (laughs) the dude
0: at Walmart got a medical card. All right, everybody in Oklahoma, like if you need it, I know it's about getting access and like you want to be able to walk into a dispensary. But I'm telling you, everybody's got it in Oklahoma. Just on the other side of the Red River, they, you know, there's so many places that have access. Um, You know when. I rode up to Oklahoma for the first time. We stopped in a Walmart parking lot to grab breakfast and gas before we headed in to kind of investigate medical marijuana in Oklahoma. This is 2019. Caught a guy in Oklahoma, started talking, and I asked, you know, I started asking about the medical marijuana. This fool pulls out a joint, just a rando in Oklahoma. Like, everybody there has access, and uh, it's whole plant. Access uh you don't need a uh quote unquote prescription. To get access, you, you know, they have teledoctors that will easily get you uh, your recommendation. And it, it, Oklahoma is almost what I would consider almost recreational. They do follow a lot of the patterns of a medical marijuana program, if you would traditionally from California or the West Coast somewhere, Oregon, Washington. But um, man, it's <laughs> it's easy to get in. It's easy to uh, get access. You get whole plant access. We're starting to see cool things uh, like diamonds and, and some just like real next level kinds of products in Oklahoma. And don't get me wrong, Oklahoma definitely has its own problems. I mean, it may have created legislation that was too easy and allowed too many people who didn't need to be doing it uh, it allowed them to do it. So
1: I actually uh, spe- saying speaking of that, somebody who I had met through Facebook. When the law changed, they started growing and created their own dispensary and went and got the license. And they posted up the other day that the number one complaint that they're seeing is that residents are like, "Well, what's happening to all the mom and pop shops? Why are all the mom and pop shops starting to close down?" I want to see some more some more local shops and individuals rather than these these big corporations. And then noted, yeah, This despite the law says that you're supposed to be an Oklahoma resident, they basically found these little loopholes, big companies did, and came in, and they're pretty much just – they're slowly choking out everybody else.
0: Well, um, from what I've gathered, it's a lot of market saturation. The market is so heavily saturated. Oklahoma has 3 million people. Uh, I think per OMMA, last time I checked, they have somewhere around between 10 and 12% of their populace entered into their program. So we're talking over 300,000 people that um, are in the medical marijuana program in Oklahoma.
1: You've got,
0: I think, something stupid like 9,000 marijuana businesses, right? Growers and or – the processors retailers uh, you have so many people fighting for fractional parts of the pie and um a lot of these people who got into business originally like i said it was very easy the laws have changed now since 2018 you know after 788 passed um it was very easy to get in um now, the, the laws are a little bit more strict. Um, you know, they have definitely refined the program more. There are tags now. There's a whole seed to sale. There are a whole lot of things that you can't just jump in like you could in 2018. Uh, but even still, um, the saturation point in Oklahoma is there. And so you're starting to see, yes, maw and paw shops who don't have the ability to just take a loss.
1: They don't have that. Then this is what she was getting at was like, they don't have that big marketing wing that these other companies that are coming in during a saturated point have. And basically all that market share starting to drift over to the big companies that can advertise. They have the money to get the word out.
0: Yeah. 100%. You're, you're, you're seeing, um, you're seeing some people who are able to maneuver, through um all of this chaos and 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 saturation and are gaining mar- more market share and are straight out just buying out different uh ma and pa shops so i wouldn't even say that a lot of them are going under i'm just saying you know some of these guys are just they're struggling buying them out, yeah straight out so
1: yeah they're they're flat out struggling so we're gonna wrap up this is gonna be just a shorter episode this this week gonna wrap up uh, episode seven up of the Lone Star Collective. Our website TXCANNACO.com texascannaco.com. You can find us on Facebook at TX Can Collective. What's our Instagram?
0: You got it at TX Cannabis Collective.
1: At TX Cannabis Collective. And on Twitter we're at Texas Canico TX Canico. You can find us on all three of those. We tend to post up the podcast usually the next day. We record on Tuesdays and then usually it comes out on Wednesday or Thursday. So, we will be coming back next week with Karen Fromel, Texas Hemp Awards, TexasHempAwards.com. We're nominated, aren't we? I think I know I saw I am. <laughs> You're nominated for
0: just straight up an advocate, which, um, Loki, I really
1: think you should win. Well, I there was somebody else who I didn't see, and I, I'm kind of surprised I didn't see them in the nominations, and that's Shada Tarabi. Um, I had my ass handed to me by her last year and she deserved it. I'm not gonna lie. She definitely deserved that. She is one hell of a marketer. Well, somebody should comment
0: her. We should, uh, we should get her nominated for sure. Like, um, yeah, we, uh, there are a lot of great people who are doing many great things across the state. And, uh, but you Jesse, I would say you're easily top five. So well, thank you.
1: Um, I've got, I believe we have Ashley Manning from NACB the national association of cannabis businesses lined up for a date in October.
0: That's juicy. So
1: that'd be a fun time and then we'll be having sweet sensi probably that first week of october as well we'll have them come on the show and talk about their texas hemp harvest festival
0: yeah that'd be i'm so excited for this event i can't wait um bunch of people are like a bunch of bunch of people who are in the hemp space in texas like it's going to be a big meeting point and i really think it's going to be great for the community
1: well that's going to wrap it up for this episode episode seven of the lone star collective txcanico.com you can find the podcast on spotify apple podcast google podcast or just flat on anchor.fm we always post it up on the website it always goes up on our social media we appreciate you tuning in and listening we'll catch you next week adios yeah boy yeah oh, boy